one of those times where Larry was probably yelling at the phone and ah, pulling his hair out. And it drives her nuts because all chicken meat in Canada is raised free run. Good day and happy new year. Welcome to Wheat Beats Word here on realagriculture.com for Wednesday, January the 3rd, 2018. On this episode of The Word, we're going to start with what we should all do in 2018. Then I'm going to tell you some things you're doing that you shouldn't do. After that, we have some specific questions to talk through and we're going to finish up with some great comments and great ideas around this whole tillage discussion that has been ongoing. Let's go. First off, thank you so much for all the kind comments, mostly all kind comments. I love the feedback. And Larry, too funny. Man, Larry said he appreciates the the effort I put into the word and he likes the information most of the time, but sometimes I'll say something that elicits an incredibly loud, quick, and very verbal barrage at the time telephone he mostly doesn't to put that into a message and and feeds it back but larry that made my day not only because it made me laugh but wow if all i can do is make people think that's exactly what this system is all about so i love it and while we're on the issue of feedback okay so for my christmas present what did i ask for ask for feedback and questions so that this episode would be easy because it's the middle of winter and the southwest ag conference which starts today by the way it's awesome program but i got nothing to talk about man oh man oh there was some questions but not enough keep the feedback coming i love it i need it i thrive on it make sure you leave me a message all right so what should we do in 2018 make a resolution to make a difference once a week Talk to someone at church who's not a farmer about agriculture or at Tim Hortons or send out a tweet or a Facebook post. Here's my example. I love this. Sarah Shepard. I saw this on Twitter. I couldn't believe it. It's amazing. And Sarah did not mean for this to happen. But what an impact. So on Twitter, Sarah is at Shara Shepdog. And she's a recent graduate from University of Guelph, my alma mater. That's awesome. A 2016 Aggie. But by the way, she did not grow up on a farm, was not raised on a farm. So that's really neat. She's at a restaurant and she's reading the menu and they're advertising the chicken on the menu as free run. And it drives her nuts because all chicken meat in Canada is raised free run. And she puts that into the tweet and unbelievable response. 20,000 likes, 2,200 retweets. What's really cool about that is the amount of education that Sarah did by that one tweet. And she ended up actually doing 40 subsequent tweets to answer questions and to explain things. So all chicken meat is free run because they run around on the floor. They're not caged up. They're not all free range. She gave that description, the difference there, and just talked about the animal code of practice and a whole lot of great farming information. What is neat 
neat is that almost all of the feedback was positive saying, thank you. Wow, I didn't know that. Oh, you always get those odd ones that are going to be negative. You just have to expect that. It happens in life. But what an amazing difference. Good on you, Sarah. I think everybody needs to just make that resolution and once a week try to make a difference, a positive difference for agriculture. On to what you should not do. Holy snap, and I can't believe it. I'm driving down the road and there is brown snow, not from soil erosion this time. Guy out spreading manure just because he can. No, you can't do that. So actually, a caller did leave a message saying, Peter, I live near the Grand River and the Conestoga. And so right where they come together, and there's way more livestock farms on the Conestoga River watershed than there is on the Grand River watershed. And in the spring, when the snow melts, because all these small livestock farmers that are close to the Conestoga River spread manure on the snow in the spring as that melts, the Conestoga River is a far darker color than the Grand River. Now, I have to admit that you got to be a wee bit careful because there could be many reasons why it's a different color, but you're 100% right. If you spread manure on snow, where do you expect it to go? When the snow melts, it will go with the water and where the water goes from that snow melt. And if that runs off, and we have frozen soils right now, it's going to run off. It's going to end up somewhere. It's not a good thing. So I really appreciate the, the caller, the comments, and I will continue to pound that drum. It's If we're going to promote agriculture, if we are going to be what we profess to be as environmentally sound and positive, then spreading manure on snow simply has to stop. Period. Okay, get down off my pedestal and do a few specifics. So Nick, I talked about leaving wheat straw out. The grower wanted lower potassium in his wheat straw to feed his dairy cows. And Nick said, oh, Peter, but you didn't talk about a 40-foot header and leaving that in the windrow and it gets wet. It ain't never going to dry. And Nick, you're a thousand percent right. If you're going to leave it out in the windrow, it can be a little bit of a challenge, particularly with these big rotary combines. It astounds me how those big rotary combines, 40-foot head, and they leave this little wee windrow. It looks like no more than the windrow behind my 15-foot conventional white combine from 1985 and then it gets wet and then you have to rake it and when you rake it all of a sudden it explodes and, and the guys with the big square balers they actually have to have somebody sometimes drive over the windrow so that they can actually get the tractor and the baler on top of that straw again to bale it up so yes if you're going to leave that straw out Nick you are right that would be a bit of an issue Jason so here's a different question Jason called in and said I'm an organic farmer I farm in Bruce County I very very heavy clay soils that are extremely low in potash. And it's really strange, Jason, because generally speaking, clay soils are inherently high in potassium, not low in potassium. But anyway, his question, does he buy sulfate of potash because he's organic, right? He cannot buy muriate of potash. It's not allowed. Or does he buy cattle manure to try and build his potassium levels? And to me, the answer is quite easy by the cattle manure because it brings nitrogen which you need in an organic system it will bring some phosphorus which i expect you need in that system organic matter no i absolutely think it uh, depends on the, what the cattle manure costs no question but straw cattle manure will have lots of potash in it and i think that would be a better buy on that same note only the other end of the spectrum a caller saying okay peter i'm a chicken farmer i've got really high soil test levels for phosphorus and potash what can i do what do i have to do 
do so that I can get higher yields. My yields are good, but they're not better than my neighbors, and my soil should be better because I have these naturally inherent fertility levels. And wow, do I wish I had the easy answer to that question, because if I did, then I don't know, I wouldn't have to be doing this. It's just, it's such a tough question. But I really think what you need to look at is that first off, too much manure is a bad thing. So be careful if you're already high in P and K levels, it might be time to move the chicken manure to different farms because too much of anything is never a good thing. Past that, I think you can look at the additional management inputs. Oftentimes, high yielding fields benefit more from things like fungicides. And it's it's kind of that synergy thing where it's a percentage and you just you just get that bigger yield boost. So I would certainly look at, at upping the, that side of the management inputs. The other side is if you're not getting higher yields, look at cutting back on your inputs and making more money by spending less dollars to get there. Ray, you asked about the seed place safety of Amidus fertilizer. It's the premium product. It's got sulfur and nitrogen in every granule, 4000 5.5 sulfur, and they make it by blending into each granule, urea and ammonium sulfate. So Ray's question, is it safer? Will the sulfur mean that the nitrogen becomes available less quickly? And so is my seed safety as a seed placed fertilizer much better than it would be with urea or ammonium sulfate? Or how does it fit? And so the answer, Ray, is that it's still urea. And urea is not a salt injury factor. It's actually an ammonia injury. So it's 35% nitrogen by urea, which makes it about 75% as toxic as urea, I think you could use that ratio and that's where it would shake out from a seed safety standpoint. All right, moving on and manipulator, a question about manipulator and yes, baby, finally, looks like we will get the MRLs, the maximum residue limits are going to be approved in the United States. At least that's what we're told on May the 10th. After that, we'll be able to use manipulator. Bad news for Ontario farmers because that's not in time for the winter wheat crop here in Ontario almost for sure. Awesome news for Western Canada because it will be in time for spring wheat in Western Canada. 2019, we should have it here on winter wheat as well. As far as as efficacy or value in our data from using a growth regulator, we saw a small yield boost, two to three bushels per acre most of the time. Even when we didn't see lodging, it harvests easier. But of course, there's a cost associated. When it does prevent the crop from lodging, that's what it is. It's a growth regulator. When the crop doesn't go down, man, you can see 15 or 20 bushels, certainly a tool that I want to have in the toolbox and cool that we're finally going to get to be able to use it. All right, finish up now and talk about soils and soil erosion and tillage. So lots of great comments. First up, Melvin asked, where do I find the clay content of different soils? Does that exist anywhere? And the answer is, yep, Melvin, go to the Canada Land Use Inventory. And in there, it talks about different soils and roughly what the clay concentration range will be for that soil. I think you can find that information there. Paul, you had a great concept. And by the way, this concept works. So Paul, in his situation, when soil erodes, he's a conventional tillage guy, but when his soil erodes, it doesn't move off his farm because of the way his farm is laid out. The low area is down by the road. And so everything gets caught down in that low area. June 23rd, 2017, they have just a horrendous rainstorm and things move like crazy. In fact, to the point that it created a gully in the cornfield that when they were harvesting that corn, 
cornfield, they actually rolled a wagon. That's how bad the gully was. What did Paul do once the corn was off? He got in a high hoe and they started taking the soil that had moved down into the low area and they hauled it back up. They filled in the gully. They put it back up on the knolls where it had been eroded from. And his question was, you know, does that work? Is that going to solve that problem? And the answer is absolutely. There is actually quite a bit of research that supports doing exactly that. And if you go to China, where they farm on terraces and other parts of the world as well, incredibly steep slopes, basically the sides of mountains and they will terrace them and the rain will wash that soil down over time and they are constantly buckets they take buckets of soil from the bottom where it gets deposited haul it back up and put it back on the terraces and they manage to keep that soil productive so we've done some work in ontario they've done some work in western canada and if you can even get three inches two inches of topsoil back up on those upper slope positions where there is none it is unbelievable you can gain back 89 90% of the yield loss. It does not take that much and it doesn't reduce the yield in the hollow very much. So Paul, that works. That's awesome. My only comment would be you got to figure out how to stop the erosion from moving it all down into the slope because it costs big bucks to put it back up there. On that note, this is one of those times where Larry was probably yelling at the phone and ah, pulling his hair out. When we talked about the seven bushels per acre, more soybeans from doing tillage on that really tough coatswork clay. Larry immediately said, but Peter, it was one year. You didn't ask about the long-term impacts. And Larry's worked hard at this on his heavy Niagara soil. And he says, you know, it's funny because if no-till doesn't work, well, it's the system. Quit no-tilling. If cover crops don't work, well, it's the system. Just quit using cover crops. But if tillage screws up, because by the way, once in a while, tillage actually doesn't work very well, and it's actually more often than we'd like to admit that we don't do the perfect job on tillage. When tillage doesn't work, do we throw tillage out the door? No, we just go back and till again next year. What else would we do? So Larry, awesome comments, and you're right. Seven bushels per acre is not a long-term trend, and you need to look at it over the long term. I do worry that that long term trend, we are losing more yield than I would like to see. But Larry, you're right. We need to figure out how to develop the system, where the shortcomings are, and make these reduced tillage systems work. And that's definitely what I'm all about. So keep those comments coming. By the way, one last caller did say, hey, Peter, so you know, you say you can't build organic matter as fast as some people say they are. Well, you should look. And he gave me a few websites. Uh, Active Carbon, I think, was one. And he said, those people are doing it. Maybe rather than just saying, well, the book says you can't do that, you should pay attention to the people who are actually doing it and figure out how to do it here as well. And so fair comment, always a fair comment. I will say that just the way soils work, I'm not sure how under Ontario conditions we can build soil organic matter that quickly, but I will try to keep an open mind and I'll ask everybody listening to do the same thing as well. With that, we are out of time. On behalf of the team here at realagriculture.com, this is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday. Wednesday, January the 3rd, 2018. Welcome back. Keep the feedback coming. And I hope to discuss or even argue with a meeting somewhere in your area very, very soon.